Welcome to episode 277. Between Wilmore, Kentucky, the Jesus Revolution, and the response to He Gets Us, is this the revival we've been waiting for? That's what we talk about today on The Reclaim Leader. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 277 of The Reclaim Leader. I'm Jason Tucker, back again with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? Doing well, Jason. Just, uh, you know, plugging away, man. It's, we were talking about those seasons where there's a lot of good going on, a lot of life and vitality, but then there's also sort of the growing pains of that and trying to, to sort through and uh, bring everybody along. And, and I don't know, we're just kind of, I think I'm hearing from a lot of pastors and, and some of my local church friends here too, that things are moving in a positive direction coming out of the pandemic, but also there's sort of the stilting readjusting back to having kind of a full slate of activities and stuff. So I, yeah, we're kind of in that phase of a lot of good and also a lot of headaches. And I think that's okay. It's probably a good sign. Yeah. As we were, we were joking before we hit record that we just spent about 20 minutes unpacking. We were sort of ranting, but just talking about like everything. We said, man, we should have recorded that. These yeah, were, we should record. One day we're going to do a rant session and we'll just record it and be really encouraging for everybody to hear about all of our problems. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're such encouragers. Uh, yeah. We're going to make you want to quit ministry. Yeah. Uh, so today I want to talk a bit about this whole phenomenon going on across our country, I think right now, and that is these sort of winds of revival. And if you're listening to this in real time, we're we're just coming off of the end of the Asbury, Kentucky revival. We are we just had a, a Christian movie launch that was produced from uh, the Gray Glory folks called Jesus Revolution, all about um, Calvary Chapel and Chuck Smith and Lonnie Frisbee and that whole story. I've not seen it yet interested in seeing it. And then uh, the He Gets Us campaign, and then kind of what we're seeing going on around us. I mean, it definitely feels like something is going on. I think the question is, is this the revival that we've been waiting for? Because I don't know about you, Jesse, it feels like my whole adult life, ever since I came to Christ, I've been praying for revival. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a ministry setting, and I'm just praying, man, I just I pray that this building fills up with people that are hungry for God or that this camp fills up with kids or so many times I've daydreamed in sanctuaries thinking, wow, what would this be like if everybody came and was hungry for God? And I'm starting to wonder, is this the time? Is Are we about to experience or are we beginning what could be a time of revival in the United States? I think it's a fair question based on everything that we've seen. I don't know about you. Have you, I'm assuming Jesse, I know you well enough to know that you've had those dreams too. To- yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's something to kind of pay attention to, but it feels like everybody's kind of afraid to, to go all in on an answer to that question. Is this the yeah. revival we've been waiting for? I think any of us who end up in ministry, maybe not any, many of us, I'll I'll say that myself included, we have a heart, a longing to see people know and love and follow Jesus and experience his love and goodness in their lives and see their families transformed because of that and and communities impacted because of that. And so I think that longing is a healthy thing. And when we get a glimpse of it, or we see something that feels like maybe this is an example of it, or maybe 
God is doing something in, in a fresh way now that we can be a part of and see see God's kingdom breaking in and and lives being changed and worship happening in this free way. Like that is kind of the picture that we we long to see. And and yet it feels I feel a little hesitant to go. Yeah, I think that's what's happening right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Does do you that make think, sense? Sort of do like you think that's cynicism talking or do you think it's a fear of being let down? Well, yeah, probably a little bit of both. Um, unfor- you know, unfortunately, we we hear a lot of things and we're also wary of things that we maybe watch something that seems one way on the surface, but months later we find out something completely else, right? So it's like, I think it's part of that uh, kind of the, the context of, of the moment in history in which we live. We have a little bit of healthy skepticism, but hopefully that doesn't erode what's possible and what God might be doing and seeing what is good and healthy and positive and in it and going, God, maybe you are, maybe you are reviving us. Maybe there is revival in the land and, and help us to catch the wind of that and set our sails in what you're, to what you're doing. And so I want to live more that way. And yet there's that little part of me that kind of hesitates to go all in and say, yes, this is it. I don't know. Yeah. So there's a reason I believe we're in the throes of it's we're in the beginning of a revival. I'm going to save that for a little later as, as to why I'm feeling that way. But I want to talk first about some of the things that have sort of combined. There are these things that are happening all at once. I think whenever, if for anyone who's a student of history and revivals and things that have happened in the past, in the United States regarding uh, awakening of, of spirituality, awakening to Christ, they're always surprising they always seem out of the blue. They're never as somebody would have planned them. <laughs> and it seems to be people are genuinely moved to lo- toward life transformation. Mm-hmm. I think if you can look at whatever's going on through that lens, I-, I don't know that we know the answer to that yet, but it just, I feel like that's what we should be looking for. And um, that's what I'm hopefully waiting to see as a result of what we're witnessing now. Let's talk first about Asbury. Yeah. So uh, for those who haven't been tracking, or maybe you don't know the whole story, it was just this university, Asbury. uh, There's a chapel service and students came and they were worshiping and from all accounts were weeping and uh, feeling the presence of the spirit and that chapel service just never ended. It went on 24 hours a day for what was it like 10 days, something like that. Or was it two weeks? I'm not exactly sure the actual duration, but, and then, and then everybody kind of decided a university decided like they were going to end the chapel service and kind of resume normal activities. But I mean, this gathered garnered huge national attention and I know I was moved seeing some of the videos and hearing some of the accounts. The Asbury community rejected a lot of the media outlets that wanted to come and report on it because they didn't want to taint what was going on. They didn't want celebrity Christians showing up and being a part of it. There's something very authentic about it that really struck me. I don't know. Did you have that feeling when you were? Yeah, I, I think for me, it was sort of the sense that there was some um, some ongoing, like it was a repent, a repentance mindset of like, here, God, I know the weight of my sin and I need you. Like, I think those two things coming together 
it seemed to be a, a common thread for people that there was this freedom to come and confess and, and experience God's presence. And I think that's a healthy aspect of revival. It wasn't just a, a, a you know, a passionate worship service where people felt something and felt moved, but it was also people coming to terms with their lives before God. And I think that is, that's a healthy sign too. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I kind of, uh, on the media side, um, it's, it's fascinating. I'll be curious to hear what people think longer term, but when, when people were saying, don't come, we don't want undue attention. I think the media kind of read that one of two ways. You're trying to hide something that you're afraid we're going to find out, or you genuinely, something real is happening that you don't want us to disrupt. And um, from a few of the media folks that um, were reflecting on it, I think their conclusion seemed to be more the latter, that something yeah. real was happening that Really um, humble people just didn't want that to be disrupted. And so please don't come here and make it a spectacle. And yeah. to me, that tracked healthy too. There's a humility in that. And I think one reporter was saying that most people in our world today will take any time and attention that they can get from the media and put the spotlight on them. And when someone says no thank you to that or pushes it away, it's either because they did something really wrong or because something really right is happening and yes. seemed to be more like the latter there. Yeah, on Valentine's Day, Bob Smitana, I hopefully I'm not mispronouncing that name, uh, wrote for Religion News Services, why students at a Kentucky Christian school are praying and singing around the clock. Mm. And I just want to read a little bit of, of this article. I think it paints a nice picture. This has been an extraordinary time for us, Asbury President Kevin Brown said during a gathering on Monday, more than 120 hours into what participants have referred to as a spiritual revival. The revival has disrupted life and brought national attention to Asbury, an evangelical Christian school in Wilmore, Kentucky, about a half hour outside of Lexington. Videos of students singing, weeping, and praying have been posted on social media, leading to both criticism and praise from onlookers. News of the revival has also drawn students and other visitors to the campus to take part in the ongoing prayer and worship. We've been here in Hughes Auditorium for over 100 hours, praying, crying, worshiping, and uniting because of love wrote Alexandra Presta, editor of the Asbury Collegian, the school student newspaper. We've even expanded into Estes Chapel across the street at Asbury Theological Seminary and beyond. I, I can proclaim that love boldly because God is love. The ongoing meetings in the chapel, which have none of the flashing lights, fog machines, or other trappings that accompany many modern worship services, I have a bone to pick with that, have also brought back memories of a similar revival in the 1970s, which is recounted in a video produced by the university. The gatherings also come at a time when many young Americans have lost faith in organized religion, mm -hmm. with a recent study finding that 43% of adults under 30 say they never attend service. One of the people that were, was interviewed for this article, last name McKenzie, who has studied Methodist revivals, says, that the what was going on in Asbury, he says, quote, seems to fit all the historical signposts of previous revivals. It's awesome. I don't, right? I don't know. Yeah, I hope I don't so. know, but I thought that painted a nice picture yeah. of what was well, going on. Well, and I there. think at a minimum, we should be rooting for that, right? Like it's not yeah. what we long for and hope for. So I truly hope that that is the case and that, you know, as you know, I've been hearing too, that some of these kinds of things are popping up in other places at other schools. And it's not just a one phenomenon in one place, but seems to have a greater kind of broader um, reach now. And 
That's a good thing. Anytime our time and attention is put back on the center of our faith, the person and work of Jesus in community, and we're focused on that, that's going to be good. And so what is that? Is that an extended, long-lasting thing that's going to go on in our culture, or was it a moment of refreshing? I don't know. So I think some of that still remains to be seen. Well, what's interesting to me is that a lot of the cynicism and critique has all come from the Christian community. I've not really heard that in mainstream media. I've only heard, wow, isn't this interesting what's going on there? I haven't heard any, yeah, they're faking or yeah, they're this. And what's the, I think the wildest conspiracy theory I heard from, again, us like cannibalizing our own is, um, is that, well, this was all an intricate promo for the Jesus revolution movie coming out. Oh man. (laughs) Isn't that awful? That's a lot of cynicism. That's a whole another layer of cynicism. Isn't that awful? Yeah. And it's funny that a lot of the the jabs are coming from the Christian community. Why I mean, why do you think that is? Do you think yeah. it's the same reason that we're a little hesitant? Is it cynicism mixed with we've just seen too many negative things that we can't believe when the positive thing happens? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I wonder too. I mean, you know, if there's something in the sense of like I think people's love has grown cold, you know, to quote Jesus from Matthew. Like, just, like I think it, that happens for people. And when they see something genuine and real that brings their minds or maybe even a part of their hearts back to an earlier time when their faith was more alive and vibrant and, and they felt God's presence or whatever it was, there even can be, I think, some, some resentment or judgment towards others that are experiencing something so life-giving. And I don't know. I I I think there's also a, a weird wing of the church that wants to demythologize Christianity and not make it about the supernatural movement of God at work in the world. And Ooh, yeah, that's tough. And I think that critique comes from an unhealthy place too. And so um, to me, I see the supernatural and breaking a movement of the Holy Spirit in a real time and place amongst real people. That's what we should long for. And yet others might raise a skeptical eye of that, um, about that. And yeah. that's too bad. It's unfortunate. And then at, at another level, there's that very human part of us that goes, well, why not my church? Why not my place? There's, there can be some, I think even weird jealousy, jealousy, right? Yeah. Or something. And so I think it's a, it's a complex question, but unfortunately it, it, it I don't think it reflects well on the community when within the Christian community, we're not celebrating that or hopeful for it. We're, we're taking shots at it. That doesn't serve us for our yeah. mission well. Yeah. It's interesting, this Jesus Revolution movie that's about revival, right? And the very famed revival of the hippie generation. Uh, again, Religious News Services, February 27th, Leah Payne was talking about the new movie, just reporting on it, that uh, it has grossed an impressive $15 million at the box office its first weekend. That's... That's not nothing. They keep saying it's exceeding expectations. Now, there's mixed reviews on the movie. I, it's getting better reviews than I thought it would get. It's from, uh, you know, Greg Laurie and yep. his production company. And yep. I guess the biggest critique that I've heard of it is that it's selective in what it remembers about the that time. But, I mean, isn't every movie because you have to condense it for a time? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. I'm looking forward to seeing it. but. Yeah. Again, fifteen million at the box office for a movie about revival, I think says something. I'm not yeah. sure. I don't know what exactly well, it says, but it says something. It says the same thing in a smaller way that Maverick, you know, Top Gun Maverick said. Like, there's something of I experienced this once. I want another experience of it again. 
Mm-hmm. I lived through that time. I want to to remember it fondly or something. I think, you know, um, my dad was part of the Jesus revolution and that, you know, coming to Christ and, and, and that season. And, you know, that's, I think something that whether that faith continued throughout someone's life or they walked away from their faith or whatever, there is a, a sort of a fondness of remembering that time or a desire to revisit some of the vibrancy or freedom of that time, I think for a lot of people and others maybe are just curious about what it was and how it functioned. I mean, but there, I think there is a generation, that baby boomer generation that lived that, that it kind of has a longing to have some experience of that again. Yeah. And then on top of all this, we just had a couple of weeks ago at the Super Bowl, the He Gets Us campaign, yeah. very visibly had some advertisements, um, mixed reviews again. And, and I think the the writer of this article from Religion News Services on, on the 27th, Christian Pinkston, he literally uses the word, the phrase Christian cannibalism. He mm. says, uh, from Super Bowl ads to Kentucky Revival, stop the Christian cannibalism. This is just what he said about the He Gets Us campaign. Because I, I know I heard a lot from Christians about this. I on did not sides, hear about it. Against. Oh, yeah. I did not hear about it from non-Christians who are in my orbit. The only thing I heard from them was, because they know I'm a pastor, like, oh, did you see the... Yeah. As a point of interest, did you yeah. happen to catch the Jesus moments? But it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Um, yeah. And the person that, I, the people that were with us watching the Super Bowl with us uh, were saying like, oh, I like the Jesus commercials the best, you know, interesting. Yeah. Anyway, here's, here's what uh, Christian Pinkston said in this article. Some of the reactions from Christians to the two Super Bowl ads run by He Gets Us are illustrative. The ads featured a number of images leading to simple punchlines. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't want us to act like adults, and Jesus loved the people we hate. Mm-hmm. The reminders to have childlike faith and to love your enemies were designed to make viewers stop and think, with messages tailored to a skeptical secular audience that is accustomed to writing him off. Mm-hmm. But alongside the criticisms, I've had a front row seat to see some of the impact he gets us is having, including millions of visits to the He Gets Us website. And almost 70,000 connections with people asking questions, requesting prayer, and being put in touch with one of the 20,000 local churches that have partnered with He Gets Us. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that sounds pretty remarkable to me. Uh, millions of visits to a website, a Christian website. <laughs> I mean, 70,000 connections with people. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I think, again, I don't know what is in us. Maybe it's remnants of Christendom where we were fragmented across denominations and stuff. But those of us that are still embedded in the church and in the, in, in the institution of the church, if you will, uh, we, we, I don't know, there's something in us that wants to compete against somebody else's good intentions to help people get to know and follow Jesus. I experienced that throughout my whole ministry life where whether it's was me looking up at another ministry and going, I wish I was more like that, or they're doing it wrong, but that's why they have so many people or the reverse where you felt judged by others. And I, I think there's a, a, a missing charitableness and generosity of spirit and a benefit of the doubt that we need to give those who are trying to introduce Jesus to people in a new way um, that brings them back to the core truths of the gospel. And I don't know, I, I thought the, um, the, 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 the two commercials were okay. I thought the second one about loving our enemy 
was better. I, I, I love the, the images of the first one, but it was so quick. It was so short that I was like, what just happened? And, um, but I, the fact that it's generating conversations about Jesus is, it means it's working. It's doing something uh, that is causing people to, to pay attention. Now, I don't know who the 70,000 people are, or if it was all us Christians logging on to the, he gets us page. I don't know, but there's yeah. something happening that is putting people's attention on Jesus. And I would think that we should see that as a good thing. Absolutely. And here's, you know, I talked a little bit or teased this. Here's why I think we're actually, we could see a revival here mm-hmm. is whenever you see revivals happen, it's always in response to the condition of the world. Sure. And when things are going really rough and people are realizing that this little cushy, a comfortable life that they're trying to build around them is not the thing that's going Mm -hmm. to save them. Yeah. And there's a hunger and a deep desire for something more. I think the conditions are right for a revival to happen. That's one. And then two, and you, I know you could testify to this too, Jesse, what I'm seeing in my own church is reinforcing that people are hungry for God in a way that I honestly haven't seen. I don't think in, in at any point in my ministry, maybe, maybe briefly after nine 11, but this, the last couple of months, especially there's something different about the expectations of the people when they're coming to worship, the deep depth of questions that they're asking. We, Again, we talked about this uh, last time. I mean, we did a Ash Wednesday service, and last year, I know we're, we're Presbyterians. We did an Ash Wednesday service. <laughs> last year, we had fifty people. This year, two hundred and forty showed up, and I had to take. I had enough ashes for this year and next year, and I very. Uh, I was sort of in a panic, and I went back and I dumped the whole ash thing in there and mixed them all up. These are like. And be on behind the scenes pastor stuff. Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows about. Yeah, but it, it was remarkable, and there was such a hunger. So even last week, we had record attendance ever for our church in our mm-hmm. whole church's history on a non-holiday. We had the most Sunday school kids we've seen in the ten years that I've been here, largest number. Small group engagements through the roof, through the roof, and there is a hunger and desire for more. And it's not because we're even doing anything different. Mm-hmm. It, the people are different. The The feeling in the room is different. It feels like a revival to me, Jesse. And, and I'm scared to say that because I don't want to be disappointed. Well, but that's I what it feels like. Isn't that it? It's sort of, we, we have to kind of protect against any of that. Um, I don't even know what the right way to put it is of getting out over our skis thinking somehow that it's us. I think to continue in that posture of humility, of hopefulness and expectation. And I just find anytime I get to a point where I'm like, finally, we figured it out. That's when the <laughs> wheels come off, right? Exactly. So how do we keep our wind, like the sails set with the wind of the spirit blowing and, and leading and the vibrancy of that without making some of the mistakes that might cause us to, to start to, think that somehow we're the ones making it happen. I think that's when the problems start coming. So revival, exactly. responding to God's movement and what the spirit is doing in people's lives, coming alongside that 
rather than, I think sometimes when we start to, you know, we're talking about growing pains, we were ranting about growing pains before we hit record. And there's, there's a little bit of me that wants to try to control what's happening and, and make it fit into our whatever box that we, we want and go, no, how do we be open and adaptable to what God is doing and just be joyful and grateful and excited and yet also build some of the structure in place to support some of that, that revival or, or that growth that's happening. And so I, yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's kind of living attention between a strategic coming alongside the spirit that captures that momentum and, and helps people connect and grow in it in, in community without it, without choking it and getting yeah. in the way of it. Yeah. And, and I mentioned those things about our church because, um, I mean, I'm not trying to brag about numbers and there's, and yeah, compared to lots of other churches, we're not humongous. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's just, I'm just trying to point out like something different's happening and I can't explain it other than it's God stirring people. So yeah. that's why it makes me feel like what's going on right now. It feels like revival to me. I don't know that I've ever felt it. So I guess this, this is my best guess as to what's yeah. going on. And well, and I think it can't, it's not always numerical growth too for some it's like when when i start to hear new ideas bubbling up and sort of people being excited about their faith or wanting to study scripture in community or just new a new appetite for the things of god or like you go something's going on and i think that's happening in big and small churches and growing churches and churches that are in a rural setting where Unless like the cows literally start coming to church, you're only going to grow so big because there's only so many people like, but the health and vitality and the vibrancy of the community as the spirit's moving, I think is a sign. Revival can be the community itself kind of reconnecting and and going deeper in their relationship with God again, that then spills out into the world around them. So I think whether you're a big church or small church or growing or seeing life kind of uh, bubbling to the surface. Those are all to me, signs that God is up to something. Yeah. So how should we respond? You know, I, I've been asking myself, what's, how should I respond to what's going on? Because, um, some, it's a little bit overwhelming and I'm just trying to think what's, if you take everything away, what's the most important thing for me as a pastor well, for us as leaders in the church, and I'll just throw a few things out that I've been thinking out, thinking about. They're not revolutionary. You'll probably all think of the same things, but um, I'm thinking of three things. The first is prayer. And I think this is a time where in every time we're gathered with people, whether it's staff or volunteers or worship or whatever, we should be praying to invite the Spirit's presence. We should pray for revival with earnest. I think, um, I, I don't know. I think it's time, it's time to do some inviting of the Holy spirit and not just pray. Cause I feel like all these years, my prayers for revival have been a little bit dead or a little bit rote because I'm not sure I really believe they would happen. I, I think we should just pray to, for the spirit to do his thing and for us to get out of the way. And then the second thing is humility. Mm-hmm. to be ready to listen and let God direct. And I was thinking about, I was just preaching on this and I was thinking about this when Peter had that vision of the sheet lowering with all the different animals and, mm-hmm. you know, kill and eat. I've never eaten anything unclean. Don't call what I've made unclean. That whole thing that then sent him to Cornelius's house and the Holy spirit comes on all these Gentiles 
and they end up going to the council of Jerusalem. And, you know, that's when Jesus' brother famously says, you know, I'm, here's my judgment. Judgment. We shouldn't make it hard for those Gentiles who are turning to God. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and the thing about that story that's amazing is as faithful as Peter was, this idea went against everything he thought he knew. God was literally changing his theology that he thought wasn't even up for debate. I, and that required a humility to listen and to be open to it, properly interpret that vision to then say yes to that invitation to Cornelius's house to that. Right. It, it set off a chain reaction. So I think humility is the posture. How yeah. can we just be available? It's like that old sports adage, your best ability is your availability. How do we make sure we are available? And I, that only happens with humility. Cause then it, what the signs of not being humble is, well, I've got this agenda. So hopefully the Holy Spirit is just going to fit right in. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I have no interest in that. And then the third is action. To not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer. Yeah. To take a swing. Like we've been talking about for two years. That we think this is going to be a time that people are going to want to reconnect with God. And it looks like looks like we were right mm-hmm. um, on one thing out of 100. <laughs> yeah. But um but I was thinking like what kinds of actions we're talking about adding a worship time and what that's going to mean. And we're talking about hosting prayer rooms. Like maybe we do, you know, I mean the whole model of the 24 seven prayer. And I know that's a little bit of a thing and a shtick for some people, but I think how do we create prayer opportunities where people can remember how important and powerful prayer is. Uh, and then listening to young people. How do we listen to our youngest believers yeah. about what they're feeling, what they're thinking, what are the pain points? How do we address them? I don't know. Those were just the thing, the like prayer, humility action. Yeah, I think those are those are good. I mean, those are I mean, like you said, it's not like, whoa, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but I mean, isn't that part of what revival should do in us is call us back to the basic trust that happens as we pray, the humility that grows out of our coming under God's authority and remembering who he is and having a proper orientation again to, to what God is doing. And then to think about what are we going to do to come alongside and be a part of the spirits movement? I mean, we've been praying. Um, we just started youth alpha alpha for our high school students and we've been praying for several months for it specifically and for the students. And um, we weren't really sure what the response would be from our high school kids. Some are church kids, some are not but we had 32 high school students show up for the first night of alpha. And that it was like, we can't wait to see what God's going to do as they ask big questions about Jesus and their faith. And some get to know Jesus for the first time. And that's an awesome thing. And so we're like, that's, but it's an outcome of prayer, humility and saying, God, what, what can my, it could help these kids the most how do, what do you think is, is the right strategy for us? And then taking some steps around that to, to do it. So we have people helping provide meals and different things to help facilitate that whole activity, but we want to be a part of whatever God's doing that. And so it takes a listening posture and a, and a humble posture, I think to, to do that. So is this the revival we've been waiting for? I sure hope it is. Yeah. I sure hope it is. And I pray I'll be praying that it is as well. Um, well, as we get ready to wrap things up, Jesse, any final thoughts? No, I just, it takes the pressure off, right? If God is on the move, then 
we just need to be available. I like, I just haven't you and I spent so we've spent so many conversations trying to think about how to lead well. And I think in a moment where God is moving as the spirit is moving and, and that it's like the, kind of the, the pressure is off to do and say all the right things, but just to point to Jesus again and again and create those environments where people can experience the spirit. And that I go, that sounds like something I would be excited about being a part of. It kind of just goes, okay, so just be available, point to Jesus. And um, it's not about how, you know, all of our sneaky, clever ideas. It's about what God's doing. And that that's a good thing. Yeah. All right, everyone. Hey, thanks for being with us. We appreciate you. And if you are getting a lot out of this podcast, I want to encourage you to share it, share it with, with your colleagues and, uh, you know, leave us a, leave us a review. Uh, only if it's a great one, but no, just kidding. Just leave us a review um, so that others can discover it and listen as well. Our hope is that this is an encouragement and equipping for pastors all over the country, because as we always say, ministry is hard. It is so much better when we do it together.